Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. essentially been waiting, waiting to become something else, waiting to be the person that I always thought I was on the verge of becoming, waiting for that life I thought I would have. In my head, I was always one step away. In high school, I was biding my time until I could become the college version of myself, the one my mind could see so clearly. In college, the post-college adult person was always looming in front of me, smarter, stronger, more organized. Then the married person, then the person I'd become when we have kids. For 20 years, literally, I have waited to become the thin version of myself because that's when life will really begin. And through all that waiting, here I am. My life is passing day by day, and I am waiting for it to start. I am waiting for that time, that person, that event when my life will begin. I love movies about the big moment, the game or the performance or the wedding day or the record deal, the stories that split time with that key event and everything is reframed before it and after it because it has changed everything. I have always wanted this movie-worthy event, something that will change everything and grab me out of this waiting game into the whirlwind in front of me. I cry and cry at these movies because I am still waiting for my own big moment. I had vision of life as an adventure, a thing to be celebrated and experienced, but all I was doing was going to work and coming home, and that wasn't what it looked like in the movies. John Lennon once said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. For me, life is what was happening while I was busy waiting for my big moment. I was ready for it and believed that the rest of my life would fade into the background and that my big moment would carry me through life like a lifeboat. The big moment, unfortunately, is an urban myth. Some people have them, in a sense, when they win the Heisman or become the next American Idol. But even that football player or that singer is living a life made up of more than that one moment. Life is a collection of a million, billion moments, tiny little moments and choices, like a handful of luminous glowing pearl. It takes so much time and so much work, and those beads and moments are so small and so much less fabulous and dramatic than the movies. But this is what I'm finding. In glimpses and flashes, this is it. This is it in the best possible way. That thing I'm waiting for, that adventure, that movie score, worthy experience unfolding gracefully. This is it. Normal daily life ticking by on our streets and sidewalks, in our houses and apartments and in our beds and at our dinner tables, in our dreams and prayers and fights and secrets. This pedestrian life is the most precious thing any of us will ever experience. 
This is a passage from Shauna Nyquist's book, Cold Tangerines. It's one of my favorite books. And this particular passage has inspired and awakened me and challenged me over and over and over again. Because you see, for such a long time, I lived this. I was waiting for my life to start, for my life to finally begin when I got the relationship that I was wanting and longing for. And finally, I've realized this, friend, that my life is now, my life is today, my calling is here, not some ethereal one day if and when. And so this episode is so much about that, a call, a challenge, evoking you to live your life fully regardless of the season you are in. And I cannot think of anyone better to chat to about this than my dear friend, Diana, founder of Sheer Love International, a nonprofit working in the sex trafficking industry in Thailand. So hold on to your seats, get ready, grab a journal. Let's get into this conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And today we are very lucky to have one of my dear friends, Lady Diana, on the podcast with us. Um, Diana, I still, I think you're literally in my phone as Lady Diana. <laughs> Good. It better always be that way. That's what I want to always hear. <laughs> Tell everyone where you're calling in from. Right now I'm in Thailand and this is where I live. Um, this is where I live all the time. This is where I live and work. It's pretty amazing. So I think I've only had one other person on my podcast that's as far away as you. Mm -hmm. Um, he lives in Bali and you're in Thailand. And so I just, I honestly feel like I'm time traveling right now. Like, no, because I'm in the future. I'm serious. You're in in the the future. future. (laughs) What happened in America today? I know. Let me tell you. Um, Okay. So the last time, so we've known each other for, gosh, how, how did we meet? Like, was it Um, through Instagram? um, Yes, it was through Instagram because um, we had, we had mutual friends on Instagram. So I got connected to you that way. And then I started following you and then you started posting about salt and pepper. And I was like, literally, this girl is my soul sister. This is (laughs) it. She's my soul sis for life. (laughs) Yes. And I think the last time I saw you was before you moved to Thailand. And we're going to get into all the reasons why you're in Thailand, why you live there. Um, It was during New York Fashion Week. And Beyonce's first visual, or what? No, it was her second visual album had come out, <laughs> and the flawless video where she had that short bob haircut, oh, and yeah. I was like, Diana, cut my hair. I want to look like Beyonce because like my other hairstylist wouldn't do it because she was like, Cat, you don't like doing your hair. Like I'm not giving you a bob, and I was like, Well, Diana will, sure and will. you totally gave me a bob. <laughs> In your kitchen. Oh my gosh. In my kitchen with like basically scissors that kids use in kindergarten. (laughs) Which is hilarious because that's, it's exactly what I started cutting hair with. So full circle. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Full circle. You gave me my dream haircut, Beyonce. You worked that haircut. You sure did. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? I love short hair and I wish that like there's sometimes I'm like, I want to chop it off again. But I just feel like I'm too much of a tomboy and I need to be able to like put my hair in a ponytail and like call it a day. You know, you need your you need your bun and done. Do it. That's right. That is right. Okay, so 
let's get into our conversation because I think we have a lot of important things to cover. Um, before I ask you what you do, I want to know why do you do what you do and what drives you? Well, there's a lot of, that is a very heavy question because there's a lot of answers to that. But um, I think the biggest reason why I do what I do is because um, uh, a lot of um, a lot of the stories that I hear um, from the women that I work with are all situations that I've been in. And um, yeah, and I feel like um, I've, I've had a, I've had a lot of things happen. I've have a lot of um, rough things in my past. And I think to my, and I said to myself, I don't want any women to ever experience the things that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to be free to make their own choices. So that's a huge reason why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to start with the why, because, well, I just always think of like the Simon Sinek Ted talk. Have you seen, it's called like how great leaders inspire action. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Oh my gosh. I think he's so amazing. I'm like staring at three of his books on my bookshelf right now. Um, but he says, you know, everyone knows what they do mm-hmm. and some people know how to do it well, but very few people know why they do it. Mm-hmm. And it's the people that know why they're doing what they're doing that create like long lasting change. Yeah. And I know that you are so like your why propels all of your decisions. And yeah. I think that's like so respectable. It's moved you across the world. It's, it's, and it's compelled you to like leave comfort and your family to do this work that is so meaningful to you. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, so what do you do? Well, I am a hairstylist by trade. I was a hairstylist for, uh, let's see, before I left the country, I'd been a hairstylist for almost 15 years. And I basically now what I do um, is I started a nonprofit organization and uh, we help women come out of um, different type of terrible situations. Most of the women that I work with here in Thailand have come out of sex trafficking um, and we teach them how to do hair. Uh, We actually go straight into their brothels Uh, We sit, we have conversations with them. And um, because a lot of them are working in, they're all in sex trafficking and they're all being prostituted, we have to pay for their time. So we actually go in there, pay pay their pimps for their time to have conversations with them. So we act as, as if we're going in there just to purchase. And we sit and have conversations with them. We talk with them and then uh, we're able to, we're able to from there gain their trust and then let them know like, Hey, there's other options for you. This is not the only thing that you have. Um, if you want to, if you want to learn a trade and you want to have an education, we can provide that for you. So, uh, yeah, that's our way in. And, um, yeah. And and from there we've helped, um, in Thailand, we've helped dozens of women get out of sex trafficking, um, as a result of providing them with education. So how does that, I mean, I'm just like, I feel like I'm it sounds like that's what you see about in the movies or something. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're going inside brothels. Like, do the do the pimps know what you're doing? Do they know that they're that you're trying to get their girls out of the brothel? Like, how does that work? And like, what's your reputation like in the in the city you're in? Well, I'll say most of the times the pimps do not know what we're doing. They don't know what they're mm. they don't know what we're doing. We're just there. We're sitting with girls, and if we're sitting with girls and um, and buying drinks, then then we're welcome there, and we're fine. And mm-hmm. we actually have quite a good re- quite a good relationship with um, quite a few of the um, of quite a few of the pimps in town. So, which mm-hmm. that's kind of a nice thing. 
as weird as that sounds. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of these brothels, majority of them in this town are disguised as a bar or a restaurant. It just looks like a bar that you go in, you sit down and you enjoy a drink with friends. But mm. um, the brothel is right upstairs. And so you sit there with a girl and you then you then you bargain for her. Like you, you yeah. propose a price and then you can take her upstairs. Um, we just skip that part. We basically just sit there and talk to them and offer them a way out. Um, wow. So um, and, uh, this town that I live in, it's called, um, this town, it's, the name is Patia. And um, if you Google it anywhere, it comes up as the sex tourism capital of the world. Like you can wow. actually purchase sex tours to come here and come on vacation. And it's part of a vacation. So that being said, there is literally thousands of men and women here for sale. So we're, we're pretty easily hiding under the radar because there's so many women so Mm -hmm. that they, you know, if, if one go one here, one there goes up missing, like they don't really, you know, they're not going to come and find us. They're really not. Um, now of course it gets into much bigger situations when we're dealing with, um, when we're dealing with minors and when Mm -hmm. we're dealing with, um, with underage, when underage girls or children, um, then that's a very different situation. And we call in um, rescue organizations that have experience, um, that have, um, you know, that have education and training that are equipped to be able to go in and handle brothel raids. That's not something that we're equipped to do because we know, yeah. we know exactly what our purpose is. So yeah. um, we stay within our purpose and those people who are rescuing and um, investigating these, um, investigating these uh, crimes, we, they know what they do. So we're very clear. We're very clear on that. Yeah. So that's how that works. What is so interesting to me about your story, because I've known you for so long, Mm -hmm. is I remember when this was just sort of like a dream of yours and you were like kind of talking about, I think I want to do this thing. I think I'm going to like move to Thailand. And it's not that I didn't take you seriously in that, but like your career trajectory in the U.S. was like on fire. Like you... I mean, I remember like when we got connected, I was like, I'm connected with Lady Diana. Like (laughs) she is like a famous like hairstylist. You were doing celebrities. You're on Mm -hmm. editorial sets. Like you're flying all over the place for your clients that you had. Mm -hmm. Like you're out doing stuff for fashion week. And yet you walked away from all of that. Like the notoriety, the sort of like fame in your industry to pursue this, like, how did that happen? Like, how did you get there? I'd love to like for you to sort of unpack your story a little bit. Yeah. Um, that is really interesting because it's there, there have been moments where I've missed it, but then I come Mm. back and I'm like, no, like what, what I'm doing here, what I'm doing here means more than any of that. And, um, you're right. Yeah, I did. There's a lot that I left. Um, but I knew what I was walking into. I knew that, um, I knew what I was walking into was really, um, was really purposeful. And, um, it's not that I felt that what I was doing before wasn't purposeful, but, um, just for where I was at and where I currently am too, I just felt like just the, the value and the purpose of being able to not just make someone beautiful for a photo shoot, mm-hmm. but to, but to truly make someone feel beautiful on the inside, as well mm-hmm. as te- give somebody an education, give them my education um, that was something that was greater than um, than any photo shoot or any fashion set that I could be on. And I mean, all of that stemmed from what happened to me years ago when I 
Um, I was in, I was in a very, very abusive relationship. I was married and, um, yeah, that relationship went nowhere, nowhere good. Every, mm. every part about it was bad. Finally, when, when the marriage ended, I realized like, no way. Like, I mean, I don't want any woman to have to go through what I've been through. And if mm. I can provide something for women to not have to go through the things that I've gone through, then I'm going to do it. So mm. that was largely where it came from. Um, also on a deeper level, um, when we were, when I was a little kid, me and my brother, we were young. Uh, my brother was sexually abused by someone in our church and it was someone that we, we trusted so much. And I actually witnessed his abuse on many occasions and, um, and there was nothing I could do. I was a kid. I was 12, 13 years old when I started witnessing him um, being abused. And what, what is a 12 year old girl going to do? You know, nothing yeah. to stand up against a, a pedophile standing up against wow. this perpetrator. Who's, who's, um, who's abusing my brother right in front of me. And, um, then, uh, years later I had already started traveling short term, just going out for a month at a time and helping, um, provide education training for women who are coming out of poverty, coming out of trafficking, coming out of exploitation. And, um, I saw a young boy, I saw a young boy being abused again. And, um, that just shook me, man. That wrecked me completely. All again, it took me right back to the time when I was 13 years old, witnessing what was happening to my brother. And I went home from that trip and I told my brother, I went straight to him. He's the first person I went to. And I told him everything that happened. And he said, that is the worst thing that I've ever heard. And I'm like, and I'm thinking in my mind, like, how, like after everything that happened to you, that's the worst thing you've ever heard. And he mm. was like, yeah, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. And he's like, so what are you going to do? And I said, what do you mean? I, I went to the police. I reported it. I went here. I talked to this organization and I did this and I went there and I did everything. And he says, no, no, no. I heard what you did, what you did do. What are you going to do now? And I'm like, I don't know what I can do. And he said, listen, when we were little kids, you couldn't say anything. You couldn't defend me. We were kids. But now you are a woman, you are an adult, and you have a big old loud voice that no one's going to shut you up with. So what are you going to do? And seven months later, I had moved to Asia. That was it. That was all I needed. I needed him to like, to push me off and say, what, what, now what, what are you going to do? And that was it. That was all I needed. My baby bro to knock some sense into me. Yeah. And, and now I'm here and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm indirectly working with children. So I'm providing Mm -hmm. their mothers with a way to be able to provide for them so that their children are never put in that situation. Cause I want every woman to have choice and I want every child um, to never have to go through that. There's just, there's absolutely no reason that any child has to be abused in that way. And it's unacceptable. And if it doesn't make you infuriatingly mad, then something's not right. And it, it made me so mad. It made me so mad that I don't even know where that little boy is anymore. I have no idea, but because I saw that happening to him, it made me mad enough to want to do something. And that's really, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, like, if something in the world, like injustices of this world should just make you so mad that you have to act. Complacency, there, there's no room in this world, especially in this day and age for complacency. It's just not okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, girl. <laughs> there's <laughs> so many, okay, I'm like, okay, God, which direction should I go in? This is like really powerful. And this is why I love talking to you because you're like fire, like you bring the fire and mm-hmm. there is no room for complacency in yeah. friendship with you. So I'm just so grateful that you responded to the call and 
there's a few things that pinged me when you were talking. And first I want to talk about the marriage you were in, the abusive marriage you were in. Yeah. And looking back on that relationship, because I know that there is someone listening to this that is either in an abusive marriage mm-hmm. or in a relationship that maybe isn't like fully blown, but like they don't know what red flags to look for. Yeah. Would you say looking back like that there were red flags that you didn't notice um, or that there's some there's things that you can like be on the lookout? Absolutely. I mean, there I mean, first of all, um, we were unevenly yoked and I for mm-hmm. sure overlooked it. I even had I had friends. And what does that mean? Can you um, say what that means? We, we, we both were not spiritually on the same level at all. Um, he was, he chose not to be spiritual at all. And I was very, very devout in my faith. And I mean, I wasn't devout enough in my faith to understand that it wasn't, that it was important enough to be with someone who's spiritually on your level. But, um, but my faith meant something to me. And I just thought that it was okay that he respected what I believed. And I think mm-hmm. I've heard that happen so many times. I'm actually friends with someone currently who is engaged and I hope she's listening. <laughs> I heard her. Girl, are you there? Because you know I'm talking to you. I have a friend who is engaged to someone right now who just respects what she believes. And that is like, that. I mean, that is so clear. That's in scripture. That is in scripture that says, do not be unevenly yoked. That means in relationships. That means like your closest core group of friends. I mean, that means like people that you're in ministry with. I mean, you need to be, you need to be so on the same page. You just need to be on the same level. And, um, and we weren't, and I, I accepted the fact that he was just quote unquote respectful of what I believe. He said, sure, sure, sure. You can go to church. That's no big deal. It's fine. As soon as we got married, it was a very big deal. And things shifted very quickly, very, very quickly. Um, another thing is the time that he made that I felt that the time that he made for me was adequate enough. And, um, but when in actuality was now looking back, I mean, I had never, I, it was basically that I was with somebody who had chosen me more than all the rest. So like uh, every guy that I was with before that, they just didn't choose me at all. Whereas this mm. guy that I was with, he chose me more than they did. But what the, the amount of time that he was choosing to be with me, as opposed to playing video games, ladies, are you listening? Playing video <laughs> games, that going out drinking with friends, just even then, like just being with other people in general. Now, I don't, I don't think a man has to be with you completely 100% all of the time. But I mean, there are moments, there are, there are really specific times when like, no, a man should choose you. He should actually, mm. he should choose you and want to pursue you and date you. I mean, mm. dating still goes on long after, long after you say I do. Like, I mean, that pursuing needs to continue to happen. And I felt as soon as he proposed to me, that the pursuit ended, but, and I, and it was just like, well, he felt like, whoop, she's got a ring. I don't got to do much more than that. I mean, mm. that had a, I mean, and I just, you know, and, and I, and I just went along with that just because I said, well, he chose me to marry me. He, you know, he put a ring on it as they say, but mm. um, yeah, I think those were really big things that I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that I, that I, that I chose to overlook. Yeah. And even when you're talking, like the word that keeps coming up in my head is unworthy. Like, it's like, well, he was treating me better than the others, right? you know? And one of my mentors talks about like our love tanks Mm -hmm. and like when our love tank is overflowing and we're being like filled up by God and 
like there's like this overflowing, but when our love tank is low or empty, we're so, you know, thirsty or hungry for love that we're willing to settle for scraps because sometimes something feels better than nothing. Mm -hmm. I know you've done a lot of work on yourself. You've really sought healing in your life, but like, does that resonate with you? Like if, when you look back on that, like, were you acting from a place of like not feeling worthy? Yeah, I feel like, yes, absolutely. I was you know, and I felt, I felt only worthy of what he was willing to give me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge, unfortunately, looking back now, hindsight's twenty twenty. but that was a mistake that I made. I chose mm-hmm. to view myself in, in the same way that he did when I, when I needed to be viewing myself in the way that God was viewing me. Yeah. And, um, I think that's, yeah, I think that has everything to do with it. Worth is a huge conversation that so many women have. I think men have that conversation too. Yeah. Um, The way that you allow people to treat you is how they'll always treat you. Well, I am just so excited to talk with you today about my friends over at FabFitFun. All right, y'all. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size, yes, this is worth repeating, full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. I am so obsessed with this box, y'all. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. So before I get any more into it, if you're like, oh my gosh, you're speaking my love language, go to www.fabfitfun.com to sign up for your first box and use TRW for $10 off your first box. All right. I want to tell you about what I'm loving in this season's box. Number one, I got a travel yoga mat. Y'all, I've been looking for one of these forever. Working out while I travel is hard and it is definitely hard to travel with a bulky yoga mat, especially for me because I do not like checking bags. Like it's a thing I have. So to get a travel yoga mat is such a gift. This one folds up and is so easy to just throw in your bag. It retails at $50. I cannot wait to put it in my carry-on and yoga it up. The next product that I'm really loving is this Cosmetics Pure C Vitamin C Serum. All right, you guys, I really take my skincare seriously and vitamin C has changed my skin. What it does is it brightens your skin, it helps with evening out your skin tone and definitely good for anti-aging. All three things that I really care about in my life right now. So this is a great option for vitamin C. And then lastly, the Wander Beauty Baggage Claim Gold Eye Mask. Okay, so I'm saving the best for last, y'all. Like I said, I'm obsessed with skincare. In addition to vitamin C, I am passionate about hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is one of the main ingredients in these eye masks. It's a great hydrator. On top of that, there is lavender oil, so it's very soothing. There's aloe oil as well. So these under eye masks are great for moisturizing. And I am literally on the go all the time, travel all the time. I hate having dry skin. And so I am the girl that always has a few packs of eye masks with me in my bag, especially when I'm traveling, because I'm not about to walk off that plane looking like a wilted flower. So ladies, we got to moisturize. So I always have a few of these in my bag. A few fun things about FabFitFun is you can go on their site and customize your box depending on what you want and need in your life currently. So once you're a part of the FabFitFun community, you'll discover pretty quickly that it's way more than just a box. 
There's FabFitFun TV where they have like workout videos and how-to tutorials and member-only capsule sales and add-ons where there's special brand products with up to 75% off. Like how fun is that? And then there's this incredible FabFitFun community where other members share recipes and tips and Q&As. So it's really like this whole experience that is just really, really fun to be a part of. So friend, Go get yourself a FabFitFun box. Boxes sell out super fast. So y'all go ahead and check it out. Go to www.fabfitfun.com and use TRW for $10 off your first box. Have fun, y'all. I mean, it reminds me of, I quote this all the time, the book Perks of Being a Wallflower there's this line that says we accept the love we think we deserve. Oh my gosh. Like for so long, I was like, why am I attracting these guys that are just Mm -hmm. treating me like crap or not wanting to commit or only wanting to, you know, text me at 10 o'clock at night. And I was with one of my guy friends from MITT, the training that you and Mm -hmm. I both did. And he was like sharing his story about, you know, he kept dating these people that were emotionally unavailable. And finally his coach was like, well, you're, you're receiving what you're putting out there. And Mm -hmm. not to, and I, what I don't mean in that is like abuse is you, you don't ever deserve abuse. You know, like there's, so I want to be very careful that I'm not saying like, it's your fault that you're being abused. Like I don't agree with that at all. What is true is that I am the common denominator in every single one of my situations Mm -hmm. and I can't control, fix, save Mm -hmm. anyone else, but I can acknowledge like, how am I showing up? And am I playing a part in attracting these sort of relationships? And um, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think I, um, in, in in the marriage that I was in, I absolutely believe I showed up like a weenie little thing that just was wanting attention and any attention he gave me was good enough. And, um, that's dangerous. That's really, really dangerous that I put that much stock in what he thought of me, you know? And, um, and that really went to show that I wasn't strong enough in my faith, in my creator, that, um, he created me to be more worthy than the way anyone could treat me. And, um, I think that really, I think that really, really, yeah. Wow, man, this is, woo. This is serious. I know. I mean, and I feel like, and I think it's a conversation that needs to be had more. It's true. So how did you start seeking healing? Like, I'm so grateful that you got out of that terrible situation. Mm -hmm. What did finding healing look like? And obviously like you, I know you, because I know you personally, like before you went overseas, you did a lot of heart work. Um, and how, how, what was your healing process like? And what does it look like now? Um, well, I'll say you had a whole lot to do with my heart training. I'll say that my heart healing, you had so much to do with that, you know, and I feel like you cared enough to be able to kind of hold up the mirror to me and show me the things that like, Hey, like these are things that all people need to work on and you especially. And I feel like that was something that I needed and we need those friends in our lives that are willing to risk putting up the mirror re- regardless of what um, the results will end up being, you know? And I mean, and that's hard. It's hard to hear sometimes like, Hey, like, you know, me, me, there, there are things that you need to work on, but we all need those friends in our lives. We really, really do. 
Um, but I'll say this is, which is interesting. This is actually, we're going to get, we're going to get real serious now. Um, yes. this is a conversation that I've had with a couple people like for the past week now, but, um, uh, one of the biggest things that I had to work through was the fact that, um, my ex-husband was addicted to porn and mm. that his addiction to porn became such, um, such shame for me because it's like, why are you doing that? I'm here. Like, why, why is that? Why is that something that, that you're, that you feel you need to do when you have a wife, you know? And, um, and it really came down to it and it, it did, it took, it took going through all of the leadership, tra- all the leadership trainings that I've done, all of the therapy, all of everything that I've tried to do to heal myself. It took me years to finally figure out that was his shame, not mine. That was him having to go to a vice um, and it, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with who I was to him as a wife. It had nothing to do. It had nothing to do with me, period. That came down to him and his insecurities. And um, I think I think that is also a big, huge shame factor in relationships because porn addiction is so real. It's uh, um, yeah, it's a really, really big thing that is happening in relationships that, again, I don't think people are talking about. And I finally have come to a place where I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that he did that because that, that was his shame, not mine. And um, yeah, I think all of the work that I've done, it's, it's ongoing and it's painful and it hurts, but you don't get to come out free on the other side unless you do the work. You have to plow through the mud and like army crawl through the sludge mm-hmm. to get to the other side and truly be free. That's where freedom lies. And going through the stuff is often harder than the initial pain in the first place. You know, it's like, um, one of my best friends, she's actually my co-founder of our organization. She says, it's like breaking a bone, you know, when Mm. you break a bone, it's like, it happens in a second. And, Mm. but it oftentimes takes months and months and months. And if you're not willing to do the work, it might take years to heal. But if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to go through physical therapy, if you're willing to stay off of it, leave it and rest it, leave it elevated, Mm. whatever the doctor says to do, if you're willing to really, really take the coaching and take the advice, your, your broken leg will be stronger than it was to begin with. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's the thing that so many people are not willing to face is that that pain has to be dealt with for you to be free and really truly feel the worth of God on the other side. Yeah, gosh, I resonate with that so much. And the I feel like the picture that God gave me a long time ago, and this was like a huge propeller for me going through counseling, going through leadership trainings, like all yeah. the workshops and retreats and all the things was, I feel like he gave me this picture of not all, I was like in New York City and it was like, we we're all walking around with broken legs that never got set. Mm. And so we're, we learned to walk with a limp. Oh my God. And I realized like, I like almost prided myself that I was able to create like pretty good results wow. with a limp. And <laughs> like, I always prided myself on like being this like survivor. Mm. And like, I was like, oh, I'm like, I like know how to tread water. I'm a hustler. I'm an overcomer. I'm a survivor. And then one day God was like, but what if you could thrive? Wow. <laughs> like, what if you yes. didn't have a limp? Like, what if, what if we stopped accepting the limp? 
Like, yeah, resetting the bone freaking hurts. Mm -hmm. And it just like everything you're saying, like it takes a lot of work and a lot of courage to look your demons in the eye. But like, if what I believe about God is true, then like he says that my destiny is not fear, Mm -hmm. but to have power, love, and a sound mind. Like he says that my portion is peace. He said that he came so that I could have an abundant life. Mm -hmm. Yet here I am thinking I know better than God. And I'm like, no, no, like I think I'm just gonna continue to walk around with a limp. And I finally, my breaking point was like, I'm sick and tired of walking around with a limp. I resonate so much with what you're saying because it can be like easy and sexy to talk about doing the work, mm-hmm. but like actually doing the work is damn hard. Mm-hmm. It sure <laughs> and is. It's, it can be traumatic and reliving your past is can be equally as painful mm-hmm. as actually living it in the moment. Even just what is activated in your brain, the neuropathways and trauma that gets reactivated. Mm-hmm. But I think it's one of the most worthy paths that we can do to take those steps towards freedom. And I don't know about you, Diana, but like it's, for me, it hasn't been linear. It's like two steps forward, one step sideways and four steps backwards. Like, 100% it has been. I'm like, sure. okay, I'm ready to be healed. Um, 24 hours later, God, where are you? Why haven't you healed me yet? Right, like, right. And we, and we all want a quick fix. I'm a fixer. You know, it's like, I want to see things done and I want to see them done and done well and done right and done right now. And that's mm-hmm. not the way healing works. That's not the way we need a lot of patience. And I am an extremely impatient person. And it's like, <laughs> and no, and it's like, we want things now, now, now. And especially in our day and age with social media, with everything, like, mm. I mean, my goodness, it took my computer 10 minutes to boot up just to get on this phone call because Wi-Fi takes so long here. <laughs> but really like, I mean, we're so, we, we, we want to have like the quickest and the fastest and right now. And that's just not the way that we're designed. That's not the way that God designed us. God designed us like ovens and not microwaves. We have to really, you know, like, I mean, we have to know that, like, I mean, to get the results we want, we're not going to put, you know, like dinner rolls in the microwave and think they're going to taste as good as they would if you put them in the oven. You know, it just is not. And um, it's just, it's so important that we come back to that, that we come back to that and remembering that. I mean, that, that that's the same with relationships. We expect relationships. We want to, we want to know right now, is this the person I'm going to marry? Is this the person I'm going to, it's like, no, you got, you got to take time and figure it out. You just have right. to take that time. And I, unfortunately, we live in this like instant gratification culture, like social yeah, media, yeah. like click, put a filter on. And I wonder if we've, we're, we've like really lost something in learning that like healing in life and relationships are a process. And, yeah. Because um, we're all and comparing even, ourselves to someone else's highlight reel. Isn't that what we're doing? Right. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm, and I'll tell you, I'm not posting any bad pictures of myself. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just not going to post today. Sorry. I'm just not I mean, I'm being honest. Like, I mean, I don't know anyone who just wants to throw out really terrible pictures of themselves. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, and I probably, I'm probably not going to start posting bad photos of myself, but even still, like, I mean, I, I want, I care about the things that I'm putting out in the world, but I mean, mm-hmm. when it, when it came down to like, understanding what comparison was and how comparison truly is the thief of joy. You know, it really is. And I think that's, I think that that's so important also to recognize too. And that's the thing. I think people hear these words a lot. Don't compare Mm. your life to someone else. Like don't compare it to someone's Instagram story or whatever. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think it's people, I feel like people just need to keep hearing it. And then one day they'll just Mm -hmm. get it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, like someone doesn't overnight just like think, oh, I'm a piece of crap. I'm I'm unworthy. I couldn't have the life I wanted. It's from like hearing those subtle messages over and over again, mm-hmm. like over time and days and years. So absolutely. the opposite can be true too. Like truth transforms our hearts and, mm-hmm. our, and our minds and our lives. Like scripture says, renew your minds. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 55 says, as the water comes down from the heavens, and doesn't turn back to the sky until it yields crops, so is God's truth. Like God's truth never turns back void. So when I am claiming truth over my life, like that's not being like woo-woo or weird. That's saying like, no, like I am worthy. Like Mm -hmm. I get to be healed. I get to walk in freedom. Like Mm -hmm. peace is my portion. Like, yeah, sometimes I may not believe that in the moment, but speaking that truth, sometimes we got to preach to ourselves. Yes. (laughs) And before we can preach it to someone else, we got to preach it to ourselves. And honestly, most of what I preach on The Refined Woman and on this podcast, I preach it because it's the message that I need to hear first and Mm -hmm. foremost. Yep. I'm so with you. It's so true. And when we're, and like, it's just, it's the same, like in the, in the relationship that I was in, I had three years of someone telling me that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't pretty enough, that I wasn't smart enough. And ultimately I wasn't worthy enough. I mean, he never actually said the words worth, but he for sure said the words that I was not beautiful. I was, and he was supposed to be someone that vowed his life to me, vowed to love me in the way that no one else would. And he absolutely did not uphold those vows. I mean, among a million other things that he didn't. But it took the, the, the amount of time that it took for him to break me down. It took twice that to build myself back up, you know, and constantly being beat down with those words over and over and over again. You have to do you have to you have to work twice as hard, sometimes three times and four times as hard to get back to the place where God intended you for you for you to be. That's really tough tough things to hear, especially for people who are in the middle of healing. But you, Mm -hmm. I mean, just don't stop healing. The work never ends. The healing never stops. And you're not the only one. You're not the only one that's healing. You're not the only one that's still on their journey. I mean, I'll be on my journey till the day I die. I just will be. That's right. So you have left so much of your comfort, um, to like do this thing that you feel really called to and you're living this like really purposeful life. And I know sometimes on the outside, it can be like, wow, like that is like oh glamorous even or sexy, but like you have like a stressful life, a stressful job. Like you are in a culture that is not your own. And something that I get from so many women and I myself lived this way for a really long time was like, I was not fully living my life because I was like, well, like, I really want to do that. But after I'm married or Mm -hmm. I want to wait, it was like, I was, my life was on pause for a long time because I felt like it couldn't fully start until Mm -hmm. I had that person. And, um, I, something that I'm like, so inspired by you is I think a lot of women in particular, more than men, I could be wrong. Like wouldn't do what you're doing single. And I don't know if you've run into that at all or um, what your thoughts are on that, but yeah, I, I'm I have a million that thoughts on that one. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Paul said it. He said it. It is in the word. It is better to be single than to be in his. And I believe him. I absolutely believe him now being where I'm at. He said it is better to be single and to be focused on the Lord and focused on all the things that he has for you. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want to be married. That, de- that definitely is not what that means or that I don't want a relationship. What that means is, is that I- I'm choosing 
to desire what God wants for me right now. I'm choosing to stay in the, in the desires that God has for me than what I want, because my path was never a good idea. Like the path that I wanted to be on. I mean, the, the, my path was only going to get me to LA. That's it. And now the path that I'm on has taken me all over the world. It just has. And um, the amount of things I get to do and be a part of is far more than it would be if I was currently married or in a relationship. And I still believe that that will come. I really believe it. I believe it is, but I'm not, I'm not desperate for it. And I'm not crying out for it. And I'm not, you know, and I, because I'm just in a place where I recognize that like, I see women and men, we actually have a barbering program. We have a pro- program where we're helping men come out of labor exploitation and also sex trafficking. We have men that are coming out of extreme poverty um, and to teaching them and teaching them and providing them with spiritual mentorship and all those things too. And the, the, I see people growing in ways that, I've, that I was never able to see, first of all, in America and let alone when I was in a relationship. And um, I just believe that once that relationship is meant to happen, that it will. And um, I just really feel, I feel like just staying along the path that God has for me, someone will enter, someone will intersect my path Mm -hmm. when the time is right. And um, when it happens, I know I'll be ready because I'm, and this is the thing too. I feel like people do a lot of talking at God and not, and first and, and number one, not a lot of listening. Okay. They just do a lot of talking and this is what I want. And this is what I want. Instead of being gracious and God, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for what's in front of me. And thank you for what you've given me. And I feel like that has so much to do. That has so much to do with the fact that people are just lonely and waiting, lonely and waiting, you know, instead of that, like, no, look around you and be like, wow, look at my community, look at my community and let me deepen my roots. Let me deepen my community. As soon as you, not you. I'm, I'm saying in life, not just you, Kat. I'm saying everybody. You can speak like, it to me. Hello, I, I need a word. Tell you. <laughs> I'm present in where I am and what God wants for me. I'm present in it. And once I truly committed to that, everything changed. That's when my life changed. And believing that God's best for you is way better than your best for you, that is the game Come changer. On. That Come on. is the game changer. It is. And knowing that knowing that like, I don't have to post on Instagram for three weeks and, um, guess what? My life's not going to fall apart and it's going to be okay. And if my friends want to get a hold of me, they know how to find me. And because I really was like, I was constantly after like, okay, I got to post something good. I got to do this right. I got to look a certain way. And it's like, no, like, I, I mean, and the, the person who comes for you is the person who, the person who, the, I want the person who comes for me is the man of my prayers, not the man of my dreams. Cause my dreams are convoluted. I want the man of my prayers. I want the man that God wants to intersect my life. Um, there was actually a guy that someone was trying to set me up with not too long ago. Maybe, well, I guess it was a long time ago. Jeez, I feel like time here is just like, time here is, <laughs> one day is the same as a year here. But <laughs> someone was trying to set me up with like last year. And he, and I met him. He was super nice and super great. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, I can't. She's too intimidating. Well, good. I'm glad he didn't waste my time. I wasn't angry. I wasn't mad. I think a few other people were a little upset that it didn't happen, but I'm not mad because if I'm too intimidating for him, then I'm happy he didn't waste my time. I think people, I think so many women just need to switch their perspective when it comes to that. You don't want a guy interested in you. Who's not interested in you. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't want it. You, that, that's not the kind of, I mean, and that's, unfortunately, I feel like what I attracted in the first place, I attracted someone who, you know, 
wasn't as interested in me as I had prayed that he would be. And I just settled on someone. But um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, just be where God has you and really root yourself and be the, be the part of the body that you're meant to be. Be the part, because it's not, it's not your church and my church and their church. We are the church. We are the body. Okay. And I'm being my part of the body out here in Thailand doing what I'm doing. And there's your friend out in Bali. Bali's only a two hour flight from here. Pretty cool. But my <laughs> friend out there in Bali, he's doing his work out there being the body. That's it. And we're all trying to be the church, all trying to let people know that, let people know God's redemptive power, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's literally what we're trying to do. And the quicker that people will get on that bandwagon and understand that, understand that God's best for you is better than your best. As soon as That's people right. really hold on to that and grasp that, the game will change. I promise. Yes. That reminds me so much of Ephesians 3, those the verse like 321-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like to him who is able to do abundantly more than we could ask or hope for, yep. um, to him be the glory. And mm-hmm. I've thought about that so much in the last few years because I feel like I had a really good plan for my life. Like I was a Bible major in college. Uh, My plan was to like meet my husband, maybe junior, senior year, graduate with my Bible degree, get married instantly, like buy a house, start having kids within a year or two. Cause I was like, I want to be like the young, cool mom. And (laughs) I have been a bridesmaid 17 times. That's amazing. I've I've been a bridesmaid 14 times. Yeah, you got to catch up. <laughs> I know. I still got a few more friends. <laughs> but the thing is, is that like that wasn't a bad plan. No. Like, I, and I have a lot of friends that that was their plan. And mm-hmm. only in hindsight can I look back and say, thank you, God, for not giving me what I wanted when I wanted it, because mm-hmm. that would have been a disaster. And like, I would have never have left Texas. After college, I moved to California to be in the nonprofit world. I worked for a nonprofit in Uganda. I worked for another nonprofit in East Africa. And then I never would have gotten into the photography industry or moved to New York City. Like, the thing is, is that like, God's plans, like scripture says, are more abundant, creative, imaginative. Mm. And that doesn't mean that my plans are bad. It just means like, God, like, I want you to run this ship then. Right. Um, And I think a lot of girls get hung up because they're like, well, Psalm says that God's going to give me the desires of my heart. So if I want a husband, like, that's what I'm claiming. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that like my desires can be different than what God's desires are. Or God can be like, oh, honey, like, that's not a bad desire. It's just that it's small and I have something bigger for you. And that doesn't mean that marriage is small or I don't want to diminish the disappointment and Mm -hmm. pain that I can feel. And I know so many women can feel when they're like, I thought this thing was going to happen for me and it's just not happening yet. Like that is painful. My whole life. That's my whole life that you just said right there. Literally. (laughs) I trusted in my own plans more than his. And I want this and this is what's going to happen. And boom. It's like, no, like you are like, yeah, your plans are too small. My plans were too small. I didn't have enough faith in the God who created me that I had the power in me that rose Jesus from the grave. That's what you have. And that's what everyone who believes in the Lord has. And I just feel like so many people negate that. And I I don't want that. I don't want that for women. I don't want that for men. I want people to understand and know that. They need to know that God's desires and God's wants for your life are better than yours. They just are. 
And that's hard for a prideful person. That's a difficult thing to come to. But you just got to You got to accept it. That's the way it is. We got to accept it. Um, Gosh, girl, your wisdom is so inspiring. And I just acknowledge you for like doing the work. And what I see that you're so committed to is as you've done your own healing, like you're now able to bring healing to others. And I know you're not like the savior of anyone in Thailand, no, like, but, you're not. but you're, <laughs> you're not, but you're, you've responded to a really powerful call. I want to pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited and passionate about. So for my single ladies, this one is for you. I just want to say I get it. Dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Do you ever feel like you're going to end up being a crazy cat lady watching Bachelor reruns, eating pirate booty all by yourself? I get it, girl. Let's face it. Dating can feel confusing, frustrating, isolating, and like a desert wasteland, but it doesn't have to be. I created a free resource guide just for you to support you in getting out there this year. It's called Six Tips to Activating Your Dating Life with Intention and Clarity. I truly believe that whether you've never been kissed or your last date was 20 minutes ago, this guide can support you in shaking things up and putting yourself out there in honoring and might I also say fun ways. These are the exact things I have implemented into my dating life over the last few years that have empowered me, given me clarity, and propelled me into getting from my couch onto an actual date. So hold up. If you're married or already in a relationship, don't tune me out. I know you have some girlfriends in your life that would benefit from this. So whether you are married or you are a single girl ready to put yourself out there, go to bit.ly slash TRW dating. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W stands for the refined woman dating. This is where you can grab your free guide, six tips to activate your dating life now. So ladies, let's get out there, shake things up and have fun. I am with you on the journey. All right, (laughs) y'all. Diana and I were almost finished with our interview. And then her internet went out because she lives in Thailand and she has what she calls Thai-fi. So we had to stop our interview mid-sentence because the internet just totally went out and we couldn't get reconnected. But all is not lost because we were pretty much done with our conversation, just wrapping things up. And it was just funny. It was just like, you know what? Like, this is what happens in life, right? Like the unexpected happens and you just kind of got to roll with the punches. So we are rolling with the punches here, y'all. All in all, I hope that this conversation with Diana is as encouraging and inspiring to you as it has been and is for me. Um, She is one of the most passionate on fire people I know. And she's also living it. Like she's living her calling. And one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have her on this podcast is because I wanted women all over the world to hear her story and say like, I don't have to wait for my life to start when I get a diamond ring. Um, As amazing as the desire for marriage is like, 
the pursuit of God's purpose on your life is a greater purpose. So I hope you hear that in her story. I hope that you check out what she's up to. Her nonprofit is called SheerLoveInternational.org. That's S-H-E-A-R, SheerLoveInternational.org. Support her. You can do monthly donations for her. You can learn more about the sex trafficking industry and what her specific organization is doing to combat that um, in the sex capital of the world, like she said. Um, And then lastly, I want to give a shout out to her admin, Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for being such a supporter of the Refined Collective podcast and thank you for doing what you're doing. And finally, ladies, if this podcast is something that has been a gift to you, something that you enjoy, I would love to invite you to hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a written review. This really helps get our podcast out there in the iTunes world. So the more love we can get on iTunes, the better. So go ahead, subscribe to the podcast so that it will just drop immediately into your podcast app when a new episode goes live and then leave us a rating and review. It would just mean the world to us. All right, talk to you soon. See you on the other side. 